So last night I had this dream, and uh, we were at church. All good dreams happen at church. <laughs> and uh, it was a great service, and we're plugging right along, and, and everything's happening. And actually, in my dream, I'm sitting right here where I typically sit. And uh, what happened in my dream was, was not so much what happened, but what didn't happen. And my dream was that I got to the end of the service, and I thought to myself, man, that was a great service. And as I was like, getting into the car, I realized that I didn't preach. <laughs> and not only did I not preach, but nobody preached during the service. And so it was more like a nightmare, actually, if I'm just honest with you. So I'm glad that I'm here right now and that we're going to hear God's word. Are you guys excited? All right, we're, we're in the second series or second week of a series that we're calling Ruth. And, uh, you know, we, um, it's just a short series because it's a short book, but we're going to walk through Ruth and um, just kind of see what God has to say to us through this powerful story and this power, powerful narrative. And uh, I want to recap just a little bit of what we did last week. Uh, last week, I, I, I told you all that, that Ruth... It's sort of this multi-layered story. Uh, In other words, you can look at it at one level, uh, on one layer, and you can say, yeah, that's great, and this is what it means, and we should all go do that. Uh, But if we pull back some more layers, it begins to reveal deeper and deeper meaning to us, uh, more and more significance. And uh, so what what we realized last week is a lot of times when we come to the book of Ruth, and we realize that Ruth was such a great friend to Naomi, uh, a lot of times the, the meaning of the story doesn't go any further than, you all should be a great friend too. Now go and do it, right? And so we all, we go and we try to be great friends. We realize, you know, I'm not that great of a friend and I wish I were a better friend. And and it just kind of leads to all this guilt and all this kind of stuff. And and in one layer, it's really good to talk about friendship and relationship. It's a great thing to talk about how we can be good and and godly friends to one another and, and be there to carry each other's burdens. But what we really talked about last week is what we realized that if we pull the layers back, what we're supposed to do is that ultimately this story reveals to us the nature of God. That's what scripture is doing. From Genesis to Revelation, it's showing us the character, the person of God, often in the New Testament revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this, on one layer we can say, let's all do our best to be like Ruth. But on the second layer, let's celebrate and give credit where credit is due. Let's not make Ruth's faithfulness the primary thing but let's celebrate the faithfulness of God who provided Ruth for Naomi when she needed it okay and so yes last week we ultimately came down to this this celebration of God's faithfulness and who he is and uh, I did a risky thing that you should never do and that is it's open mic night at church and so last week at the end of the service we opened up the floor and said, let's, let's together just celebrate and hear about how God has been faithful to you. And the stories that we heard coming out of this were absolutely amazing. Let me say to you publicly, for those of you that stood up and were bold enough to share how God has been faithful in your life, thank you for your honesty, for your authenticity. Thank you for helping us to celebrate God but also thank you for helping us to know God better. 
Because when we see God at work in other people's lives, it gives us confidence. It boosts our faith. It allows us to move boldly into the future with a strong faith and an assurance in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. So thank you for all of you that shared. If you missed it, uh, as always, you can go to our website and, and stream it from the web. You can download it as a podcast so you listen to it on your iDevice. Uh, we would just love to get all these messages in your hands so that even when you miss a week, you don't miss a week. Are you with me? Okay, so that's what we want for you. Uh, so that's what we talked about last week. And, and um, this today, today I want to share with you um, a pretty simple message but not an easy one. There's an important distinction between simple and easy. The the truth that I want to share with you is is very straightforward. It's very simple. uh, But the way in which we live it out is is not very easy. And uh, in fact, sometimes sometimes, uh, when you're in the church and and you've been going to a church a long time and you've been a Christian a long time, when you come to Sunday services, you're like, you know what, man, I I want a deep message. And uh, if you're here today and you want a deep message, this is probably not going to be a deep message. But let me tell you today, deep is not necessarily uh, an increase in knowledge. Deep is taking the knowledge that you already have and applying it to your life. Oh, come on. That's deep. Right? I mean, many of us, as we've grown up in the church and we've heard the messages over and 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 yet we're not really allowed, we're not really applying it to our lives. So if you want a deep faith, take the knowledge that you already have, apply it to your life, and watch God work profoundly in your life. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a simple truth, we're going to apply it to our lives, we're going to allow God's word to, to hit us in the gut and lift us up all at the same time, and then we're going to leave here uh, having been formed and shaped by God, okay? So uh, that's, what, that's the agenda and what we're doing today. So open your Bible to Ruth. I want to read chapter uh, 2, the first few verses to you. Uh, Last week we looked at uh, all of chapter 1. Basically we didn't read all of chapter 1, but we uh, were looking at all of chapter 1. So today I want to read chapter 2, the first 13 verses. If you have your Bible with you, turn there. Uh, There are some Bibles somewhere in your neighborhood under the racks in the chair. And lucky for you... We have brought our digital Bible with us today, so it'll be up on the screens, all right? So let's read this together. Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. 1 through 13 says this. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, and he was a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech. How many of you know the song that goes with Elimelech that we learned last week? Elimelech. Elimelech. Okay. Oh, and his name was Boaz. <laughs> okay, so Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up leftover grain uh, or, or leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I found favor. Now Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, she entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. Now as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech, God's faithfulness, pervasive in chapter 2 already, celebrated in chapter 1, living all the way through into chapter 2. As it turned out, it says, this is a picture of God's faithfulness. Now just then, Boaz arrived uh, from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, the Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, 
Uh, Who does this young woman belong to? Now the overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. And she said, please let us glean and please let let me glean and and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she came into the field and she has remained there from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So then Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here, but stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the harvesters are, 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 watch, are, are working and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. Now at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner? Now the actual Hebrew is here is that you would notice me, the unnoticeable. That you would notice me, one who is unnoticeable. That you would notice me a foreigner. Now Boaz replied, I've been told what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of of your husband. And how you left your father and your mother and your homeland. And you came to live with a people you did not know before. So may the Lord repay you with what you have done. May you be richly, richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings... You have come to take refuge. And Ruth replies, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said, for you have reassured me, and you have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing as one of your servants. This is a powerful story, and I can't wait to share what God has to say to us today. Uh, there, there's Again, if we look at this, this multi-layered story, we always have to pay attention to the details. To get to the deeper levels and, and to peel back the layers, we always have to pay attention to the details that the writers are giving to us. And so right from the very first part, the first verse, we learn that this man, Boaz, is a man of standing, is how this translation puts it. Now, the Hebrew here could mean any number of things. Uh, the, it, some other possible ways of translation could be he was simply a rich man. Uh, so he's a man of standing. He's a rich man. Another possible translation is he's a man of, of valor. He's very able. Or, or some would say a man of substance uh, or a landowner. In, in other words, the writer is trying to tell us that Boaz is not, is not someone that is, he's not just a common man. He, he's, he's wealthy. He's a man of substance. He's a strong man. He's a man of standing. And so they're trying to present to us who this Boaz really is. And then you contrast that, that when he comes to the field in the story, and he says, who is this woman here? What does the writer say? Oh, it's that Moabite woman who came over from Moab, who with Naomi. Her name is not even mentioned. And so we have this really stark difference between Boaz, this man of standing, and then Ruth, who they don't even say her name, the Moabite woman, the foreigner. She came over here with Naomi, and now she's in our land. And remember, we we learned last week that Moab was an enemy of the nation of Israel. And so she's from the enemy's camp. And we're not going to say her name. She's just that foreigner who doesn't belong here. She's on the outside We're on the inside. And so they say to this man of standing, here is this foreigner in our midst and in our field. 
And so right away, the layers of the story are trying to reveal to us the difference between these two characters, making sure that we know that one is wealthy and able and strong, and the other one is a foreigner who is, who is not only from another land, but broke. Like, no money. Like, fully dependent upon other people for her well-being. Which is why she is gleaning in these fields. Now, the practice of gleaning is um, the practice of following the harvesters. And you guys picked this up from the story. But it's the practice of following the harvesters and, and gathering whatever is left over, whatever is missed. So we pick up grain that has fallen down. We pick up grain that was missed. We glean from what the harvesters have missed. And so, we fought, so the, glean, the gleaners <laughs> would follow behind the harvesters and just pick up whatever they're able. They're fully dependent. It's not their field. It's not their land. They're fully dependent on being allowed to gather any kind of sustenance from, from the leftovers. They're picking up table scraps, basically. And, and this is a legal practice in Israel. In, in this ancient world, it's, very, it's, it's legal that every landowner would, would need to allow the gleaners to come in and clean up and, and, and be able to do uh, and be able to collect and gather what they can. And so uh, gleaners oftentimes in any given day would move from field to field. That, you know, when you're, when you're not harvesting, there's not a lot, of, lot to pick up. So they'd follow the harvesters, they'd get what they can, realize they don't have a lot, then follow to the next field, follow to the next field. And so they're all the time moving and, and shifting and, and just totally dependent on the well-being of others for their own well-being. Table scraps. And what Boaz does is this extraordinary act of kindness where he says to Ruth, don't go to other fields. Stay here. Follow my harvesters. I'm going to tell the guys, don't, don't lay a hand on you. If you want something to drink, it's on us. We'll provide you with not only the opportunity to glean, but the opportunity for rest and for drink and don't move from field to field. Just stay right here and we'll make sure that your need is met. It's a powerful picture of extraordinary kindness from a man of standing to a foreign woman. You guys get the picture? Now, it would be easy for us, again, to say, Boaz is great. You all should be like Boaz. And so, but, but again, I think if we need, we need to peel back the layers. We need to see what is deeper in this story, what God has to offer for us. Because the reality is, is that even though this is a beautiful story, there's actually a, a, a hitch in the story. There, there's a hiccup happening here that maybe you didn't pick up on when we read it. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, a hiccup? What's wrong with this, this great guy helping somebody in need? How can that be a hiccup? How can that be a hitch? What's wrong, preacher? Well, here's the hitch. Boaz helps Ruth. But then did you catch, did you catch on to what he said right after he helped her? He said, may the Lord protect you. May the Lord bless you. And may you find shelter under his 
wings. Now, now the actual, the metaphor here is that of, of, of a baby bird being protected under the wing of its mother, right? And, and so it's, it's, you know, I was expecting some aws. So it's kind of this little fluffy metaphor, isn't it? I mean, but that's, that's, that's what's happening. Boaz is saying to Ruth, may you find protection under the wing of the Lord. And that's a pretty good prayer. In fact, I'll bet that many of you have prayed that same prayer for other people that you know. You know somebody that's going through a difficult time right now, and you're praying for them actively. You're like, God, man, they need to find protection under your wings. Man, God, they need your provision. God, they need your encouragement. God, they need your power. They need all these kinds of things from you, God. And so we pray. And we pray that God would bless them and encourage them and lift them up and provide protection for them. But essentially what's happening here, and we get this from Ruth's response. But we get what, happened, what is happening here is Boaz is saying, for this day, don't go to any other fields. We'll take care of you. It's all good. And then as you go about your life, may God, may you find protection under God's wing. And then Ruth says, I'm pretty sure she cocked her hip like this. And she's like, put your money where your mouth is. Come on, y'all. I, I cocked my hip and everything. And you just all going to stare at me like I'm, a, you know, like I'm a fool. Ruth says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes. Listen to this. This is the message I want you to hear. And I told you it's going to be simple. It's going to be short. It's going to be a little And then we're done. But here's the deal. There is no experiencing God's protection, grace, goodness outside of people. Because in God's God's mystery, he chooses to use us to express himself to other people. Now he can do it miraculously, but overwhelmingly he chooses to work miracles through you and I in our lives to other people. And so Boaz essentially says, I'm all good. I helped you once. Now may you continue to find protection under the Lord's wing. And Ruth says, the only way in which I can experience God's protection and provision is through you. Now, here's the punch. How many of us have prayed for God to bless someone and did nothing to bless them? How many of us have prayed for God's provision in someone's life and we find ourselves as a man of standing, a strong man, a wealthy man, And we have within our reach to provide for them, but we don't provide. We just pray for God's provision, but we don't go the step further and offer God's provision to them by providing and allowing God to work through us to bless them. Boaz says, may you find protection under the Lord's wing. And Ruth says, that's under your wing and we'll call it the Lord's. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not giving credit to to Boaz. I'm giving credit that God chooses to work through you and I. How many times have you prayed for God to bless someone and did nothing to bless them? 
How many times have you prayed that for your friend who's going through a difficult time and they need encouragement, they need to be lifted up, they need someone to offer a message of hope. And so we say, man, I'm going to pray for you, brother. I'm going to pray for you, sister. And we pray for them. But we don't take the step further of doing anything tangible to lift them up. We don't do anything tangible to give them encouragement. Friends, listen to me. God wants to use you. And I want to challenge you this week that when you say those words, I'm going to pray for whatever you're praying for for this person. Take it one step further. Take it one step further and say, this is how I'm going to enact, that's how I'm going to act this out. Now, I, don't, I may not be able to meet your full need, and I may not be able to, to do everything that you need in that time, or I may not be able to, to meet in all of its fullness your challenge, but I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to pray for your blessing, and I'm going to do what I can to bless you. But I think that's the reason that the author gives us this incredible distinction is this man of standing, this foreign woman who's not even named, and and yet this foreign woman is saying to the man of standing, the only way I can experience God's ongoing protection and provision in my life is for you to take me under your wings. May I continue to find favor in your eyes. And some of you, God has richly blessed you. In a number of ways, whether it's financially or he's blessed you by walking you through a difficult journey and now you have something to offer someone who's walking through a similar journey, whatever it is, God has richly blessed you and he doesn't want you to stop at prayer. He wants you to pray yes and then allow God to work through you to be the answer to that prayer. But I wonder how many times we make the mistake of maybe just stepping in Dropping our little, you know, little drop in the bucket, we help out, and then we just say, and then we just we say, praying is is good enough. Prayer is all we have left. Have you ever heard that? All we can do now is pray. Now I'm not I'm I'm not so black and white or so ignorant to believe that that's not sometimes true. But I wonder how many times that we say all we can do is pray when in fact God is saying I want to use you in this situation. Yes, I want you to pray, but I want you to go one step further. Now, I told you this was going to be fast. I love how this story ends. Ruth says these incredible words. She says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes? And then he says, you have reassured me and you have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not even have the standing as one of your servants. In serving Ruth, he raised her up. Put yourself in, in Ruth's position a foreigner in the living in the land of the enemy, knowing no one, and yet committing yourself to your mother in law, Naomi fully dependent on the, on, the, on the abundance of other people for you to gather your scraps. That's a pretty dehumanizing position. When you want a, you want a big dose of humility, put yourself in Ruth's shoes in, in Ruth chapter 2. 
a dehumanizing situation. And Boaz comes along and he lifts her up. She says she calls herself his servant, though she doesn't have the standing as one of her servants. She moves up in rank. She moves up in rank from foreigner to servant. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but in that process, a foreigner who's thrown away, name won't even be mentioned, fully dependent upon other people to gather their, their table scraps, and he moves her up to the, to the standing and the rank of a servant. And in that moment, she is humanized, and she is given dignity in that moment. Listen to me, church. When God uses us to serve other people, it helps us to humanize them. It helps them to bring back their dignity. Now, pastor, what you're talking about is, is you're just talking, you're, you're creating ranks for us as though I was better than anybody else. Now, let's be honest. Some of you do think you're better than everybody else, but let's also be honest. There will come a time when you will be in need. It's not about me being any better than any better than anyone else. It's about, am I in a position to serve right now and then how can God allow me to be a blessing how can God work through me to be a blessing how can God use me to do his work in the world so that I'm not just praying for protection and blessing and provision I'm actually blessing encouraging and providing and God gets all the glory God gets the credit because he's placed us where we have been which is in a position to help and it doesn't mean that I'm any better than you because I'm serving you it means that in serving Each other, we are all made equal. Imagine uh, someone in the army who overnight their rank changed. Now, I I don't have a lot of military experience or exposure, but what if overnight a private was was raised in rank to a sergeant? Right? A private? You're a dime a dozen. There's millions of you. A sergeant, all of a sudden you go from invisible to noticed. All of a sudden you go from peon to respected. All of a sudden people start treating you differently. All of a sudden you kind of regain your humanity. All of a sudden all kinds of things begin to happen because you were raised in rank. Let me tell you, church, it is time for us together to start raising the rank of some people. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? It's time for us as a community to begin raising each other up to serve one another so that service and serving each other is flowing through this place and among this place so that it can overflow and move out of this place that we might serve our community because God does not want us to just simply wash our hands through prayer alone. He wants us to push while we pray. He wants us to pray and then be a blessing. For some of you today, your response to this message will be to make that phone call. It will be to send the note. For some of you, it will be God calling you to a radical generosity because you've been praying for this person, this couple, this family, this friend, for God to provide for them while you are living in an abundance of wealth. And God is going to call you to start living out a radical generosity and not just pray for God's provision, but start providing and allow God to provide through you. Am I yelling yet? Yes, I am. (laughs) church let us learn from the layers of this story that God wants to use us 
That's the mystery of God. If I were God, I'd probably just go around and push buttons and make everything right. But God in his wisdom has chosen to use you and I. Let us not step out of the game and call it prayer. Let's step into the game by praying. I'm not negating prayer. Hear me correctly. Let's step into the game by praying and allowing God to use us in the way that he wants to. I love love Ruth's discernment here. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, Mr. Boaz. Now, as we read the rest of the story, what we learn is that this foreign woman and this man of standing, as they serve one another, they are made equal and get married. Now, all of your stories won't end that way, even though some of you hope they will. (laughs) But it's this... It's this grand picture of God through honoring service and, and allowing us to be to God to work in us so that he might work through us and work among us that makes us all equal so that we can serve one another. Now, let me tell you some of the ways that we're trying to do this as a church. Uh, our impact ministry... Um, and this is not like a sermon with an infomercial at the end, you know. It's like we're not, you know, starting any new campaign or anything. I just want to tell you how we're trying to live this out as a church. Um, our ministry structure and how we go about ministry is very straightforward and simple in this church. Our mission is to present Christ as Savior, pursue Christ as King, and partner with Christ in service. We have three major ministries to live that out. That's it. That's what we do. Age level ministries, they don't have their, they're not, we're not the one-eared Mickey Mouse where age levels are kind of over here on the side of the church, barely connected. We ask them to present, pursue, and partner, but in age-appropriate ways. And so when it comes to pursue, when it comes to partner with Christ in service, we have our impact ministry. Sometimes you'll hear impact and it's a little logo on your fancy bulletins and all this kind of stuff. Well, we're making a shift in our impact ministry um, and one of, the, one of the new initiatives that we're looking at is, is realizing that the homeless community in our, in our city is dehumanized in a number of ways. Like people don't make eye contact with them. Like people, and you can't get a smile if you can't get eye contact And so imagine feeling totally invisible because of the assumptions that people will make about you because of the way that you're dressed or or where you're sitting on the street. And so people refuse to make eye contact. They won't offer you a smile. And all of a sudden you become invisible and you become dehumanized. And so one of our new initiatives is, is to realize the humanity of those who have found themselves homeless. And one of our tendencies is to say, well, it's all, it's all their fault. They could just hold down a job if they could just this, or if they wouldn't spend all their money on drugs and yada, yada, yada. And we don't know their story. Those are not safe assumptions for any homeless person that we see. And yet those are the assumptions that we take to them and we dehumanize them, feeling like they're going to ask us for money so we look the other way. What we want to do 
is we want to reach out to the homeless community and begin to give them their dignity back, to rehumanize them. And so part of what our initiative is and what we want to do is we want to invite them into our welcome center where we can offer them food, but that we can also give them haircut or a fresh shampoo or where we can, some of you ladies are in beauty school and you know all about the, the manicures and the, the pedicures and we want, to be, we want to be able to offer those. And, and we know that many of you cut hair. And, and so we want to be able to, to come alongside this community that is totally dehumanized and say, God loves you, you're human, and we want to give you your dignity back. Because guess what? When you do that, they can go into a job interview with more confidence. It's not just about a fresh haircut for their job interview. It's about a fresh haircut and a new sense of confidence and a new dignity and a rehumanizing. That's what we want to do. And we don't know all the details yet, and we're still working them out. But I wanted to give you just a heads up of what's in the works as we seek to live this out as a community. Because it would be one thing for us to sit in our little nice chairs with all of our nice little clothes on Sunday morning and say, God bless this community who's in need. Where God says, thank you for your prayer. And the answer to the prayer is you. And you're like, God, for real? (laughs) Have you ever said that? For real? (laughs) Isn't there somebody else? Because my schedule is like really busy. You know, and I wonder how many times while we pray for God, God's answer back to us is, I want to use you. That's what I want to say to you today. That many of you are the answer to the prayer that you're praying. And God is waiting to use you in powerful ways. Can we do that? Can we together as a community commit to start raising people up in rank and to start serving one another and allow that service to overflow in this church?